Boyle Sports has it all. Moneyback meetings every day. UK and Irish racing live streaming. Extra places and Moneyback All Losers offers. And a Bet 10 Get 20 welcome offer. Boyle Sports, this is betting. And welcome to Off the Fence. This is our Cheltenham Daily Show brought to you in association with Boyle Sports. As you can tell, this is a new look show for the week that is Cheltenham because, of course, we are doing fast pace reaction and preview shows for you every single day. And we are currently recording this off the back of day two. It was always going to be very hard to follow up on what day one produced on Tuesday. And the weather didn't help things today, Barry, but a quick check in with you because you were there with me on track. And for all, we've had an enjoyable day. There were some pretty good performances, I think, which we will get stuck into in due course. For me, it definitely felt like a bit of a lower day than yesterday. Is that fair? It probably was. Um, I suppose what Honey took on Constitution Hill yesterday. Um, it didn't live up to the same billing, but it, was, it probably was never going to. But I think the damp weather wasn't to help. But there were some very good results and some good performances too. Agreed, agreed. There were none more so than maybe in the first race. I think that was the one that I was most taken with, but we'll get to that shortly. Any quick check in with you? Did you get to watch very much of it today as it played out? Yeah, I've, I've seen all the races once at this point. A bit of a punt and car crash today, but you will have that. But yeah, the, the race, it, it's just, as you've mentioned, it was basically impossible to live up to yesterday, but plenty of interest in racing. And we're only halfway there, at least. I think we do, do now know where we stand with the ground. You, both of you are saying it, it's raining there. It looks to be raining all day, so it'll probably be pretty slow surface for the final two days. Yep, agreed. Uh, let's rock and roll on to our review part of the show and we will kick off with Energumine winning a second champion chase. Uh, Barry, it's straight over to you. You've been keen on this horse all season long, in fairness. And to, uh, today, it all came right for him in a place where we've seen him go so well in the past. But maybe I'm just, I don't know, picking holes in it because I tipped Edward Stone. But I can't help but feel that the race fell apart somewhat. But is that what a good champion chaser does? Could, yeah, you could argue the race fell apart, but an argument didn't fall apart. Um, he travelled strongly and even at times possibly too strongly. He was in Paul Town's hand. He was running with the choke out a little, but that's just probably a reflection on how strongly he was going um, and finding it so easy. Editor de Geet brought him a good gallop, but probably not the searching pace we would have expected. So maybe the run in Cheltenham had left a mark on him. Edward Stone, for some reason, he was beaten at halfway, was struggling all the time, could never get a look in. But the winner, you'd have to be very impressed by him. And for me, it was a better performance than he put in in this race 12 months ago. So now it was ground probably came to a help to him as well. But um, no, the vibes have been good. And there was definitely a big improvement from what he showed McLaren's house. Do you concur, Tony, that this was a better showing than what he showed several months ago? I don't know. I, I think he turns up um, basically all the time um, in the last two seasons and puts up these high 160s, 170s performance all the time, except the, the last day when I think probably getting in amongst horses was the thing that bothered him. I know he was held up in this race last season, but, but he had plenty of space. Um, yeah, the others didn't didn't perform. Edward Stone didn't seem to be going from an early stage, losing half length of fences. And it just... It left Captain Guinness, who was actually really strong in the market. I think he was 50s about 10 days, 14 ago, and he went up about 14 or 15, um, kind of exchange SP. So, but then Eric, I mean, obviously, has 
a number of verdicts over him since his, his novice chase days. Um, and yeah, things have come right from, I suppose, the two consecutive um, champion chase days where the ground has come up soft, which wouldn't always be guaranteed, but um, very hard horse to knock with his overall consistency um, across, across all three of his seasons over fences, um, to be fair. Yeah, and we love consistency in this game, so maybe I should just stop trying to pick holes in all of his wins. Uh, Tony, let's move on to the Ballymore. I touched upon it in the intro there. For me, this was the most impressive performance of the day from Impere Pass, who was absolutely sensational, winning the race for Willie Mullins and co. Uh, the hype had been rife beforehand in regards to this horse, and it was proven on the track. Yeah, good luck that he is their he's their best novice hurdler. Fasil Vega would have held that uh, status for most of the, the season. Um but Imperi Bass took a really big step forward um today on just just his third start in Ireland, uh, just just visually excellent, but along with there um of half decent horses, looks like a horse that wouldn't have any issue come back to two miles if they want to match up with Marine National, like basically what they want with him. Um, one interesting facet of it was like all the vibes have been really strong, massive late drifter. Uh, someone, someone didn't fancy him, um, human or algorithm late on. I think he went off nearly 137 to two, which I think you haven't seen that price around on him um, for at least two or three weeks. So, but um, the fight that drifter went really well, and I definitely won't look forward to going on the bunch this time. But hopefully, he will could match up with maybe Marine National. Uh, just a quick final question to you on that, Ray. Disappointed were you in Goodland? He just wasn't good enough. Um, no excuses at all. Uh, did everything right. Travelled there. Um, had no excuses. A little bit of squeezing maybe after two out, but um, the fact that he couldn't even get up for a place was disappointing. Um, probably, possibly a point of that form from the Nathaniel Lacey isn't the strongest, so cool survivor um, going in the Martin Pipe on Friday, while theoretically he might look okay in a 140. I just wonder what the value of that form is. He's the first one out of that race to run and, and Sander Clegane um, also coming forward from that into the Albert Bartlett. So, so we'd see, it definitely was an up to the form for, for me. Right. Um, Barry, what did you make of the Ballymore? How impressed were you with the winner? Were you, were you as impressed as I am? Oh, very much of an SNL. Great performance. You could see from a long way out, there was a bunch of horses, the fancied horses, they were all going coming to the fore, at the fort last, if you like. Um, but your eye will be drawn to him for a pass. Travel really strongly all the way. He was in part down on his hands, right down to the second last. Um, really impressive winner. Gaelic Warrior ran a good race in second. Um, it was just it was a, it was a proper solid race. Um, and the cream came to the top. But um, he's definitely horse with a future. But maybe he has the option of coming back to two mile. Um, but I'd imagine maybe two and a half might suit him fine for um for Punchestown rather than try and take on Marine National who arguably could be better again on better ground over two. So um but he's he's a horse he's definitely very, very smart. Very smart indeed. Now Barry talk to me about the real wacker winning the Brown Advisory. Watching that, I mean I know we've said it about lots of people have said it about this horse, but his ability to jump a fence, uh, how much sort of scope he has and how much he seems to enjoy it. I know his marge, it was obviously a photo finish with Jerry Colom in the closing stages, but this horse, this was this was my, like, I, I love, this was my moment of the day, seeing him win, just seeing how much the horse seems to enjoy it. From a jockey's point of view, how much fun would that round of jumping have been? Uh, it wouldn't get much better than that. He was brilliant. And Sam Twiston Davis was firing him at fences. He was taking lengths out of the field. He did it in the dipper against Lesser Company and was really impressive doing it. 
but he stepped up then in better company, up and trip. It was a brilliant performance. Sam, as I said, was brilliant on him, but jumped from fence to fence. And it was all about jumping. It won the day for him. Jerry Kalam ran a brilliant race in second, a little bit outpaced from three out, but finished really strongly. And, you know, to his credit, he, he lost very little in the feet and went down by the, the smallest of margins. But um, great finish, but through the race, yeah, you just love to see Ars do that. And uh, now I'd say it was a real thrill for Sam. Sorry, me and you didn't tip the real whack or anything like that. But <laughs> in the closing stage, I found myself really willing Sam to hold on. Were you much the same? Because it must just be heartbreak if you have a round of jumping like that and then get beaten on the line. I just couldn't have dealt with that heartbreak. I know it was a brilliant finish. I was, uh, I would uh, be a Jordan Gainford fan as well and a Sam Tristan Davis fan. So I was, I, I divided loyalties, but I was, I was, I was delighted to see the two lads battle it out. It was, it was a good result. about you Tony did you do that as much as I did in terms of a jumping spectacle? Ah, yeah just, just an excellent performance uh, from the front from this horse like Barry said that the Elliot Brown just got a little bit out of pace but the ground wasn't soft enough for him he just wants a little bit further um, Bron ran really well for a long way just didn't seem to quite last home the three miles uh, cutting back two and a half might see him in a better leg so yeah I ran okay to a point but he just didn't again didn't seem to last out having made a good move into it but uh, yeah excellent performance out of the winner um, I know it's an obvious question, Tony, but would you see the winner in the second, Jerry Colomb, being Gold Cup horses for next year? Um, I suppose it depends what happens on Friday. Uh, Jerry Colomb, you would see, has been a horse that definitely will be competing back in Ireland um, on soft ground. And, but the real whack has shown a, a liking for, for Cheltenham, which is a big plus, and, and his, his jumping is always um, go, going to be an asset. So... Yeah, I would say those Gallop and the Champs put his head over the, the parapet. He's been a real star on Friday and he's still quite a young horse. But yes, of course, you'd have to be connection to be perfectly entitled to be thinking that way. Absolutely. Um, and Tony, I'll stick with you for a quick line on the bumper. A dream to share winning for John Kiley, JP McManus and the Gleasons. Uh, what a brilliant story to wrap up day two. I just thought that was magic. And from your point of view, you were keen on this horse in our preview show uh, that we did about a week or so ago. But then, of course, you, when we discussed this yesterday, you were worried about the ground. How, how did you play it in the end? And how did Yeah, it didn't. Didn't, didn't bet him now or anything like that. Um, yeah, was worried about the ground. The Willie Mullins horse did get a lot closer to him than he had done at the Dublin Racing Festival. Um, and there obviously were negatives around the ground. And, and the jockey would, would have been a worry, his lack of experience at Cheltenham, but he, he belied that completely. Um, he seemed to know the right part of the track to be in. Um, the, Patrick Mullins, in fact, the failed the two of them were out the back and, and kind of a little bit wide, which seemed to suit and, and come in late. Um, Kind of also played in his favour, so uh, and the fact that he's not able to, to claim in these races to the seven pound man here, so that that was excellent performance there, and, and I suppose the McManus team took a bit of a chance, perhaps keeping him on him, and he, he was very much rewarded them. To me, it looked quite a good champion bumper. Um, looked to be a well run race, and the two of them made good sweeping moves in the back, so you would expect the form to to prove quite solid. Uh, be interesting what they do with him. He he that flat pedigree that possibly going on the flat at some point. Um would be uh, an option. He's that relation to, to raise you and a few other decent ones. I think the Joseph O'Brien um, was attached to. Barry, you'll you'll know, uh, I think pretty much everyone connected to this horse in terms of obviously the Gleasons, John Kiley, and obviously your relationship with JP McManus as well. Just expand on what wonderful story this was for anyone. Yeah, it, it was brilliant. Um, 
you know, John Gleeson, he gave him an absolutely amazing ride. You've seen some top-class flat jockeys riding in the bumper um, and you've seen some brilliant jump riders do it over the years. But to have done what he'd done on his first ride around Cheltenham on the biggest stage of all, drop it in, follow Patrick Mullins, come wide in the straight for the better ground all the way, waited, waited and produced quickened by the by what was favoured at the time. So no, it was a brilliant performance for a brilliant trainer in John Kiley. The Gleeson family are lovely people, Brian Gleeson, and of course for JP to get a good winner like that, having won bought the horse, but then, you know, have having left John Gleeson with the ride, as Tony mentioned, with no seven pound claim. So a lot of credit going to everyone on this. But I suppose John Kiley is a is a, a senior trainer, you could say, and a very successful trainer. And brilliant to see him back on the big stage with a horse like this. Love it. Love it. It was a nice story to wrap up what was quite a damp day in the end. But we roll up to day three. I believe that you were only halfway through, but we really are. So let's crack on with our Thursday preview. And Barry, we'll kick off with you in the Turners, where, of course, we get to see Mighty Potter at 11 to 10 with Ball Sports right now. Take on Appreciate It 4 to 1. Bambridge. Be surprised if he ran if the rain keeps coming at four to one. Balco Coastal at ten, Stage Star tens, James the Burley sixteens. Um Oblom just touched touched off for the Gordon Elliott team, but they'll be hoping to go at least or they'll be hoping to place better with Mighty Potter. We spoke about this being their big is it fair to say, Barry, this is their big horse of the week, Mighty Potter for that team? I would have thought so. Um yeah, and you know, he, he I think he's a worthy favourite. He should take the beating. Um, appreciated stepping up and trip is definitely definitely of interest, but the handicapper has ten pound between them on what he's seen to date. So that is a, you know, it's probably more of a gap than I would have put between them. But I would have uh, Mighty Potter ahead of appreciated, as you mentioned, Banbridge. I'd say there is a possibility he mightn't turn up with the way the ground is. Um, and of the others, I thought maybe Balco Coastal would have a little each way chance. Um, to me, he ran like a horse and possibly needed to run the Henry the Eight. Um, obviously second to Jerry Kalam who would have franked that form to a certain level today albeit it was over further um, but he could be a, an each way play um, but appreciate it would be the main danger to Mighty Potter obviously Do you think anything can beat Mighty Potter if, if everything goes right on the day Tony? No I, I think he'll win this uh, the, the track would still be a little bit unknown after last season's Supreme but I, I think there were probably other reasons for that the vet was looking at him beforehand he made a couple of bad mistakes one particularly before he was pulled up so um, yeah I, I, I think he's very much the one to beat here I'd expect him to go off quite short I mentioned I think on Monday evening but Risk Bell being one that was really hammered in the market um, at the Dublin Racing Festival he was the other one that I recall been very very strong late in the piece um, and it, I just think he may, he has too much ability for, for these other ones. His time performance and visual performance at the Dublin Racing Festival was excellent. I was just looking back at it there. Like he was nearly 1.5 seconds quicker than the Goffer, despite carrying eight pounds more. And the Goffer's run really well in the ultimate. I just probably not quite getting home of 149. And um, I would say that Mighty Potter's actually raced quite inefficiently at Dublin in the sense that they went steady and then he really quickened from three out. I think cutting back and trip on slower ground is going to be no issue with him. And I'd say very much deserving of his place at the top of the market. Uh, appreciate it. I know he, he. I was just a little bit disappointed with him in the Irish Arkell. Yeah, up and trip and slow ground, but super. I just wonder with the younger horse to have a little bit more pace. From I echo Barry says that Balco Coastal is one that could um, run into a place. Form worked out with Jerry Colum, and I thought he wasn't totally at home with the track um, at Sandown. This place might suit him a little bit better. 
Okay, little place pick on Balco Coastal Len at 10 to 1 with Ball Sports. Tony, let's stick with you for a quick line on the attempts. Very open renewal, as we would expect. Thanks for the help, 5 to 1. Uh, market leader Maxim, 6 to 1. Walking on air, 7 to 1. The bosses Oscar, 10s. Good time, Johnny, 10s. Um, bigger prices kind of thereafter, but very trappy contest, Tony. Do you have a strong view in this? No, I've no view at all in this, really. I think the handicaps and tours, they usually aren't my cup of tea. A lot of English farm and offer. The, the only thought I did have was that good time Johnny, who's still a single-figure price, he's getting disappointed both the times he's run at the track. And um, Tony Martin actually said, I think, after the initial run, that he doesn't really handle it. So he may be one you could, you could possibly look to, to be against. Um, perhaps the shoot first form would have a chance, even though shoot first himself is not here, via Antalur and Salvador. Sal but or Ziggy, but again, no, it's not a race where I'd be getting heavily involved in, if involved in at all. Yeah, shame not to see, see shoot first in this. But um, Barry, the horse at the top of the market, thanks for the help at five to one for the pipe team. This is the horse that won the qualifier at Chepstow and ha still has a very progressive upward trajectory profile. Is he right for a race like this? Potentially is um it was a good performance um and he has obviously more scope for more improvement um you know but there's plenty there with you can argue cases for but have mixed form Maxium was disappointing last time uh, haven't been really impressive before that but one that caught my eye was uh, was Mill Re Mill Green sorry uh, another of Nicky Henderson's uh, was third in this race last year on very soft ground was third at the Grand National meeting next time an entry. And it was third on its reappearance in Haydock last month. Uh, is in tomorrow off the same mark as was third in last season. So there could be a little bit of each way of value in Mill Green. Okay, each way shout. We like that. Barry, we'll stick with you for a bit of Ryanair chat. Shishkin uh, here at five to six currently with Ball Sports. Blue Lord 11 for two. Janadil 7 to one. Fury Road 10 to Envoy Island 12. Frank Dynamite 20 to one. Uh, bigger prices for a few after that, Barry. Basically, as we've spoken about plenty on this show, is the bottom line just that if Shishkin shows up in his ascot form, he wins this by any distance he likes. If he's not in that form, it's up for grabs for anyone. That's the way I see it anyway. Probably have to agree, yeah. He was very impressive in Ascot. Uh, he appreciated stepping up and trip. He jumped brilliant. He did everything really well on that day. It was soft ground, but probably tomorrow, there's a chance tomorrow could be softer, um, which may be a slight negative for him. Um, what could you pick that's going to beat him? If he runs, if he reproduces that, even if the ground was to take the edge off him, I still think he's good enough to beat the opposition. Um, possibility, you could say, for Janadil, but you'd be worried about the, the turnaround from Goran to uh, this, this, this race tomorrow. So, um, no, I'd be, I'd be very strong on Shishkin. I think he's going to be very, very hard to beat. Tony, am I am I going stepping into sort of mad territory to suggest that Envoy Allen could pick up the pieces in place in this race? Um, I think so. I think so. Um, I think your initial, <laughs> your, your, your initial read on this dead on, if Shishkin does turn up in, in the form of Ascot, or uh, all his initial early runs of offences, he's going to be very hard to stop. I, I, I do think it is, it is a doubt. Um, the softer ground is a little doubt. He, he didn't love it. Um, in the Supreme, when it, when it was officially heavy that day, if I recall correctly. Um, they, we talked about the bounce factor. It, basically, my interpretation of the bounce factor is when a horse runs fast and returns within a relatively short space of time. That's when the bounce factor can kick in. And he, he certainly did run fast in Ascot. 
he might have won easily in the end, but the time was fast and, and he had a hard race in that sense. So I do think it is a concern. And he's backing up um, quite a bit quicker than he was from Ascot to Cheltenham last year, the, the race, like, like five or six weeks later. So that is a worry. I am going to try and oppose him here, though I do see he's drifting out now. He's nearly even money. He hasn't been that price for a little while. Um, although the finding something to beat him, as Kenny have alluded to there, there's a lot of horses with holes in them. Horses coming up bad runs as with Blue Lord would fall into that category, at least a different form the last day. And the trip on soft ground would, would be a slight concern with him. Horse on the downturn like Jack and Pershwa. Horse that possibly a bit of temperament like Fury Road. Um, I think Janet is one that would very likely run his race. Um, really in fairness to him, the only horses that have beaten him over trips from two miles out to two and a half miles when he's completed in recent years have been an argument and Aloha, albeit they've beaten him a fair old way. So you would think that he will, he'd be involved. So interested in doing something with him around him in the place markets to the each way markets. And also there's one there, um, I, I think is overpriced a little bit anyway, is Ga Large or GA Law. Like he, he's the one horse in the field that's the young horse that, that's coming up. He, he missed a chunk of time after his novice chase season and then ran a, a really good race in the entry before winning the, the Paddy Power race in, in November. Now that has turned out to be a really strong piece of form um, with uh, Paul Nichols' horse, Il Rodoto and, and Skelton the horse that won a race on New Year's Day. Now initially when I looked at Doncaster, I thought that um, maybe Doncaster put a ceiling on him. He was coming to definitely be involved in the finish before he fell at the last or not seeing him just go to win I'd say he was slight odds against but he, he may well have won but the trainer actually had a really interesting comment there he said that um, he had two quick runs there early in the autumn and then he left them off basically completely for December so I was just wondering like, did he need the run in Doncaster and if he needed the run in Doncaster um, that opens up a bit more of a ceiling for him um, soft ground is kind of an unknown with him but the fact that he ran over three miles the last day and they were thinking about a grand national for him might help bring his stamina into play and he's probably he's always one that's ridden with a bit of restraint so he's probably going to be ridden for a face so I'm definitely going to have something him each way now without the favourite um, he's nearly the outsider of the field he's the one horse in it I think that has potential to do better against a, a cast of horses that uh, I think have shown enough frailties at this point far the favourite who is who is top class of course Okay case to be made in each way case to be made for GA Law then at 20 to 1 or Garlow whichever way you want to put it as Tony says um, let's move on, Tony, to the Stayers Hurdle, an open renewal, but we know what the ground is now. It's going to be soft for them. Blazing Carl, 3-1, to one. 2 Pooh, 7-2, to two. Flooring Porter, 11-2, Home by the Lee, 6-1, Classical Dream, 8, Gold Tweet at 10s, and Paisley Park, 14s. Those are the top few in the market with Ball Sports, Tony. Confirm your Stayers Hurdle thoughts uh, now that we're here the eve before this very open and as you correct me in the past, Tony, deep contest. To you, who has no excuses here whatsoever. This is just the per he has got now the perfect setup for this now. Um, the he's proven himself at least to a, a strong degree on the ground uh, last time in the Galmai. I think he's got the best piece of form in the Hatton's Grace. I think Classical Dream is a better horse over two and a half miles. He's a really good horse, fresh, um, and he was able to beat him. And I thought pulling away from him at the end, I think he's improved for going up and trip. He's now got the slow ground. I think last season in the Champion Hurdle, a couple of people made the point that he just didn't fire in, in the in the spring last year. Maybe the the Gordon run last season took the edge. I thought he didn't he didn't handle the downhill part of the track. Now when it's slow ground, they aren't going as fast downhill. I think that's going that's going to be a help to him. 
I, I'd be very disappointed if he's not involved. Look, look Blazingcat has to have a chance. Um, the vibes have been really negative in the last four, maybe game, but look, I, I don't like reading too much into them coming from that yard. Uh, Florian Porter, again, he hasn't had a great season in terms of preparation. I think the race is stronger than um, either of the two he's won. Um, and um, just just the, the things haven't gone ideal from this season. And, and I suppose people are wiser to his front run tactics at this point. Classical dream, as I, I just don't think he's he has the stamina for the trip. Home with the lead, the ground is probably gone against them a little bit. French horses are a little bit unknown, especially this one that's been supplemented in. But I think Tupac has got the best form of the the horses from around here, and I'll be I'll be disappointed if he, if he doesn't go very close. Case made for Tupac then in the stairs. Barry, over to you for the the vibe would not have sort of filled his backers with too much confidence in the last few days, but he is still up at the head of the market. Does he deserve to be there, really? Well, it's like he's, he's there on potential, but it, it, it is an unknown. Um, Tia Hupu has, has proven for him, as Tony mentioned in that space. And I'd echo a lot of what Tony says um, as regards him and the opposition, Blazing Cal, as I mentioned, potential, but he still has to prove it at that level. For me, I'd see Tia Hupu and Blazing Cal been a little bit clearer of the remainder. I think, as Tony mentioned, Flooring Porter, his two his two wins, I think this is a stronger race this year. And I would see Flooring Porter play um, Classical Dream, uh, Home by the Lee, Paisley Park, Gold Tweet. I'd see those maybe just a step behind the two at the head of the market. And probably you'd have to, for me, go with Tia Hooper with the proven form. But Blazing Cal, he's four from four. He has a lot of potential. Maybe he's a superstar, but we won't know that until tomorrow. Yeah. Okay, two votes for Tupa then. On we go to the plate, Barry. Uh, so Scottish, four to one favourite for JP McManus and Emmett Mullins, Il Rodoto, seven to one, Horton Calor, eight to one, Midnight River, eights, Fugitive, tens, That's All Right, Gino at tens, Ferrero Bamboo, eleven to one. Um, this So Scottish, everyone seems to have latched onto at this stage. Is this a case of a classic JP McManus, shrewd trainer type sort of handicap? gamble at the festival it has the potential um you know jp has purchased him since um he is a six-year-old looks progressive good form obviously behind, behind boot hill in ascot but the bulk of his form or most of his form is on good ground so the first question he left answers can he can he cope with conditions tomorrow um so that's going to be interesting for me uh the horse i found it out was ferrero bamboo who was fourth in that race in Ascot over two miles, was third in the Grand Annual last season behind uh, uh, Global Citizen and made a desperate mistake at the second last that day. That was obviously very soft ground, so he's going to cope conditions, but has been competing over two miles, and this is his first step up to two and a half. Um, looked flat to the boards all the way in the Grand Annual last season, but still managed to get involved despite making that mistake. So I think he's an interesting one. Um, but I'd have a concern about the favourite just on this ground. Interesting. It was just like Venetia Williams to when the rain comes at Cheltenham, she always has something up her sleeve with one of these horses in these sort of races. So I can definitely see the case for Ferrero Bamboo in that sort of cliche type way. Tony, do you have a particularly strong view in this race? It's another trappy handicap with lots of English no, uh... form. I think bookmakers need to do an offer in this race. You, you pay double if you back the winner. It's absolutely impossible to have a hope. 
<laughs> I, love that. I, I enjoy that thanks yeah we will put that to the bookmakers come on ball sports step forward tony we will stick with you for the mayor's novices hurdle the jack in running in the memory of jack de bromhead of course and you made such a valid case for magical zoe at 12 to 1 tony in when we did our preview just the betting above her of course lucia is the six to four favorite for this race a lot of joy next best 11 to 2 you wear it well at 10 to 1 and magical zoe in here at 12s um Tony, are you still with her? Uh, make the case for her for anyone who missed it, if you are still with her. Yeah, I love this race. I think this is a brilliant race. Really enjoyed studying this. I'm going to have three or four bets in this race, win only, and try and get this favourite beat. Um, the main two will be Magical Zoe and Halka de Tiber. Just start with Halka de Tiber, actually, because I put her up in the column back before she ran at Fairy House in uh, January. Initially disappointed with that run, but thinking back, um, I wasn't in love with the ride that she got I thought David Russell didn't go hard enough in front um, that's the actual diamond form I think going maybe back left handed stiffer test bigger field she'll be able to take a lead I, I definitely think she has a chance of Josh getting into this now without a penalty probably going to back for her again Magic it's always case given from last week I just thought she was visually brilliant the first couple of days um, then she went to down Royal and seemed to cope fine with the soft ground there she possibly really wouldn't want it totally soft uh, or too soft haven't gone through the summer last season, but the downright form just stacks up. She'll be the, I think, four or five, um, 125, 130 in behind. I think she has to have a chance. They'll be my main two. There's two other ones down the field. I'm also going to have something on. Um, she could be anything to be Gordon Elliott. Now, she's pushing out for a treble figure price there in some places. Um, she ran behind in Perry Pass in the Moscow Flyer um, and made the run in that day. She just totally hated that. Um, two miles around a sharp track like that they didn't go any pace she jumped terrible I think it was just a run that you can forget because it just was completely unsuitable and then she went for a back to Punchestown for a mare's race up in trip but there's a bit of a pace on this day and she was able to sit in and take a lead but she got to the front actually too soon this day um, kind of half a mile from home looked to be going best turning in and again just kind of got nutted on the lane by Hauturia, who who been played quite dead. So I think she has a bit of potential um, again being held on to. And this is a race where it does suit to be held on to, as I think I described in the, the other preview, like a mini county hurdle. You don't want to be up there early. Um, that usually doesn't work out. So those would be and the other one I throw into the mix is Jatara. Um she's kind of a stare at this trip. Uh, yet to win a, uh, over hurdles, but her two hurdles runs have been excellent. Good run at Christmas at Leopardstown, where she seemed to um, take a knock halfway and, and probably did well to finish second in the circumstances. And she's also tying in with the Halka de Tiber form. So, yeah, I'm going to have a bit of a go at this race with, with a few at prices um, and try and get her she a bit. And a lot of joy, who, um, yeah, I don't know. She has the flat form, but is her hurdles form really anything special? And I, I thought she was waiting in front of Leopardstown a bit at Christmas. I just wonder now in a finish how uh, tough she is. Tony having a serious go, I think it's fair to say, at the Mayor's Novices. Barry, um, and he's aiming to get Lucia beat, but over to you. Is she beatable? Well, the favour in this, you could always, you could argue a case is opposable, and it's probably history would show that um, it definitely suits one to come from off the pace, and a strong traveller can be found out. She is a very strong traveller, shows a lot of pace, has form on soft ground, uh, was probably more impressive in Newbury first day, over hurdles than she was in Exeter, but she only did what she had to do. Um, I think if she's ridden with restraint, ridden patiently, she's the best mare in the race. I think she will win. Um, 
But the one I had picked for an each way was one that Tony mentioned, Jatara, who was second to high definition. Permian was third in that race and was an impressive winner since. She was then went on with second to Astro Diamond in the Solarina and Fairy House. She gets the £5 allowance um, off the favourite and those who have won. So that's definitely a positive for her. Um, she's from the family of Jeski, really strong pedigree. Um, has form and soft ground. So she was one who was a real interest each way. But um, I think the favourite is the best in the race if things go right for her. Okay, the boys agreeing on an each way shout there then. Barry, just a quick line from you on the Kim Yule to wrap up day three. Uh, Stumptown, seven to two. Mr. Incredible, 11 to two. Angels Dawn at seven to one. Dunboy, nine to one. Beaufort, tens. Royal Thief, 11s. Um, a Knight in Lambourne, 14 to one. Oh, I mean, this is a bit like what Tony said about the other race. Surely, just trying to pick the winner of this, that we do deserve double payout. I don't know where to start with this, Kim Muir, to be honest with you. Amateurs too. Nightmare. Nightmare. Um, yeah, I was in Gorham for the Triestis, and I thought Dunboyne um, put up a big show to be second to carefully selected, and it was nip and tuck. There was very little between them. The fifth horse, uh, Espinito Bello, won the Leinster National since then, and he was 10 lengths behind them. Um, so a reproduction of that running Gorn, I think, would put Dunboyne bang there. Obviously, that was on very soft ground, so conditions won't be an issue. Stays really well, which is you need on the on the new course. So no, my choice would be uh, Dunboyne, and he's probably he's probably need chair price. Okay, Dunboyne as an uh, yeah, it's about nine to one currently. Tony, finally, then would you have a view in this race? I think I might know that the the answer is no. Is it? No, I'm afraid not. No, I will. I will definitely have using these handicaps. I'm afraid I've been looking at those uh, the the market type in the county. There'd be much more my cup of tea. You know, the Jim Muir can stay where it is. Yeah, <laughs> fair, fair. Right. On that note, we have wrapped up our preview of day three of the festival. But now we can head to Ball Sports Ambassador and Gold Cup winning jockey Robbie Power to see what he fancies on day three of the Cheltenham Festival. Hello everybody on Off The Fence, it's Robbie Power here, Boyle Sports Ambassador. Day three of the Cheltenham Festival, the feature, the stairs hurt, and I'm all about Tiapu. The rain has fallen, the ground is soft, and I think he's got a massive chance. Obviously, Flory Porter and Blazing Cal are big, big dangers. I just think Tiapu's form is that bit stronger, I think he'll take a lot of beating. The Ryanair chase, Shishkin. This ground definitely won't be ideal for Shishkin. I think it's a possible at a very short price. Main fancy to take him on is Blue Lord, but I wouldn't rule out Envoy Allen. I think he's in good form. I'm running a big race, heading to Robin's team, in mighty form. Day starts off with the Turner's two and a half mile longest chase. Mighty Potter is bounding off a short price favour. I think this is his toughest test. He's got the likes of Appreciate and Bad Bridge. On this ground, I think Bad Bridge might struggle, but Appreciate could be a big, big threat to Mighty Potter. Thank you very much to Robbie Powell, the Ball Sports Ambassador. Um, it's naps time. I think it is time to do the naps. We will go to you first, Tony. What is your nap of day three? A tipu in the stairs hardly. Oh, like it. Okay, great. And over to you, Barry. What's your nap? Well, I've been with, I've been with Shishkin since before Ascot, so I won't start him now. Okay, and everyone... I don't think you're allowed to nap up a really short price horse. I feel like that's a cop-out, but Mighty Potter, if he gets beat, 
oh, I'll be that'll that will set a negative tone for the rest of the day for me, I'm afraid. He is my nap on day three. But for now, everyone, boys, thank you very much as always for your contributions to this show. Uh, viewers and listeners out there, thank you as ever. We do want to hear from you. Do get in contact. What do you fancy? What don't you fancy? Uh, do you agree with what Barry and Tony have said? Please do get involved, get in contact. We love your feedback. But for now, that was off the fence, brought to you in association, in association with Ball Sports. Join us again this time tomorrow. Boyle Sports has it all. Money back meetings every day. UK and Irish racing live streaming. Extra places and money back all losers offers. And a bet 10, get 20 welcome offer. Boyle Sports, this is betting.